0: Proverbs 15, praise God. My, the Lord is good, isn't He? God is so very, very good. Praise God, so very, very good. I, I am just so grateful that I know the Lord in the power of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and good to have all of you out to the pig roast yesterday. I'll tell you, Roy and his helpers, Roy Grant and his helpers, did they ever fix that up? We ate and ate and ate and ate and played and played and played and had the horses all saddled up. and Kids were all riding and people were so excited. I hope you're just as excited about eating the word of the Lord this morning. You know what the Bible says, man shall not live by pig alone. <clears throat> I paraphrased a little bit. Might have changed the meaning, actually, but it is that way, isn't it? <clears throat> Praise God. <clears throat> Proverbs fifteen three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good and i want to speak this morning on the subject the searching eyes of god let's look to the lord in prayer thank you heavenly father for this great time here in your house i pray oh god you'd quicken our minds open our hearts open our minds to receive what you have for us i pray god that every person here would be blessed of heaven today I also pray, Lord, that if we have people here who are unsaved, and no doubt we have, that you would touch them and help them to understand their need of Bible salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I I spoke recently on the same subject, just gave it a different title, and sometimes preachers ruin things by telling too much but uh, what happens especially in doing pastoral work you feel quickened by the Holy Ghost to spend some time on the same subject well naturally you just can't get up and just preach the same message over and over and over so you have to dig a little deeper look a little longer come up with a different title and a different scriptural text And go pretty much in the same direction. I I really feel that this is what God wants me to do. I heard day before yesterday that the southernmost city in Florida uh, had a plane to fly in. Maybe some of you heard this. This was a MiG-21 Russian-made plane from Cuba. Flew in totally undetected by our defense system. Some Cuban commander... I had flown this plane in. He was seeking political asylum here in the United States of America. Now, the alarming thing is that this is twice in one year that, that uh, someone has flown a Cuban-Russian-made uh, MiG plane into Florida. And, you know, it makes you wonder how well we are protected. <laughs> <clears throat> that you can fly it in and the radar just simply doesn't pick it up. Of course, it's a 90-mile flight. It's not very far. So you can understand how they can get up and get down, especially if you're in a fighter jet. You're you're talking about just a matter of minutes, 15 minutes or less. You can be up and down. So you don't have very far to go. But uh, if you've ever seen these gigantic radar screens, how they just... They're just going around and around, especially in in some of these military bases. Besides that, we have planes that are flying all the time out on the coastline that are equipped with radar and different military uh, defense mechanisms. But somehow, this man just got up and flew in, and nobody even knew he was around until he landed. And here he was. Just slipped right in. Probably six years ago, maybe seven years ago, when Soviet Union was totally intact, someone from Germany, you probably read about this, took a small one-engine plane and flew that thing all the way to, to Moscow and landed this thing right in the heart of Moscow. And... <clears throat> He gave a good number of reasons. Of course, there it's a pretty serious thing. Nobody was laughing about it, obviously. But a little one-engine plane, he flies this thing in, sets it down right in the street. I mean, this is an amazing thing. People see this plane coming in. They run out. Here he is. After months of investigation, the final analysis was, well, he just wanted to see if he could do it. Now, (coughs) the problem is, (laughs) if he didn't, (laughs) if he didn't do it, (laughs) uh, he had trouble on his hands (laughs) because he no doubt would have been blown to bits and pieces if he had not accomplished his, his feat. But to think that a man could fly all the way from Germany in. Now, you're talking about crossing a couple of countries and going in. I'm not for sure what route he took. But uh, no doubt going across part of Poland, I'm not for sure that he did. But I know that the c- countries that he had to fly across were were uh, block countries. In other words, you just don't fly. You don't take a plane just fly over Poland. At least you didn't then. Uh, <clears throat> But he did. Gave all kinds of excuses, but the final excuse was, well, truthfully, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Just wanted to see if I could do it. It's pretty risky, isn't it? Now, I read a scripture that deals with the all-seeing eye of God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. The scripture declares God to be omniscient or that he is an omniscient God now by omniscient we mean of course this is taken from two words the Latin word omni it means all are complete and then of course the word science is actually tacked on it to form the word omniscient or omniscience and The word science in this sense means all-knowing, all-discovering. And God is the all-knowing, all-seeing God. Two other words that we use (coughs) to relate to God. Omnipresent means he's, he's everywhere, present. God is in this place today. We hear people get up and testify, and they say, I feel God in this place. Now, they're not only declaring that God is here, they're declaring a relationship with the ever-present God, that God is here. Now, some some of you may have never felt the presence of God, but if you seek after God, you will feel his presence. There will be a presence that comes over you, and you will feel this. I mean, you, you, you actually can feel it. Uh, it's, it's an electrifying, exciting feeling. Someone gets up and sings, you wonder why in the world they're so excited about singing. Or the, the praise singers that we have, they're up here singing. You say, well, what's so great about what they're doing? You know, they're, they're just really getting into it. Maybe it's what they feel. <clears throat> I can feel that. I will assure you that before I finish this, if you've never felt the presence of God, you will feel the presence of God, that there will be a presence that that comes over you. Then, of course, we use the word (coughs) omnipotent. It comes from the Latin word omni, means all or complete, and potent, which means power, put together, omnipotent, that God is all-powerful. Now, if God is omniscient, he knows all, sees all, he is omnipresent, he is everywhere, and he is omnipotent, he has all power. I mean you put all those together to discover just how great God really is. This is the reason why the psalmist declared that you really can't go any place that God is not. You climb to the topest, topest, to the top of the mountain. <coughs> I'm, I'm getting, I'm picking this up from brother, uh, brother Eckenrod, brother, <coughs> brother Eckenrod. I know ser- several people chuckled. The, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the open house is at six thirty. Uh, Brother Eckenrod said six Thursday, but it's at six thirty. <coughs> There's another presence up here, isn't it? <coughs> it's kind of a goofy one. <coughs> it's all over me today, <coughs> but I got it from you because I had to pass by you when I came in this morning. <coughs> oh my! <coughs> But really when you think about God and how great God is God is a powerful God a powerful source. Now I do believe that you should respect God and you should show much fear uh, for God and for God's house when you go into the presence of the Lord. Now some people make it a very spooky weird thing. Brother Uh, Glenn Uselman referred to this when he talked about the word of the Lord. He said, you know, it's not a deep, dark, spooky experience. Some people put God so far off because he's so great that that he's untouchable. But on the other hand, that defies the definition uh, or the definitions that we've given to you. That he is all present. For a reason. He's all seeing for a reason. See, I think some of the old hymns <coughs> that were sung <coughs> created in us a real respect for God. Uh, I've made reference to this. A lot of the new new choruses that we sing, a lot of the new songs that are sung, uh, they make you feel good and they pick you up, but. On the other hand, they do not create a respect or fear in your heart for God. I remember years ago in a country church that I attended, where Sister Wallace happened to be one of my uh, aunts who has passed on to be with the Lord. She used to lead in this song on page 247, and the name of it is Watching You. Now, the reason why I remember this because she'd get so high on this, I mean, now, Sister Thorpe can sing high. You probably recognize that. But when my aunt would get there, I mean, she'd just go totally off the, it wasn't really music, Carly. <clears throat> it wasn't really. I mean, she'd just really go high watching you. Now, if you have your hymn book, turn there, and look what it says. All along. All along on the road to the soul's true abode, there's an eye watching you. Every step that you take, this great eye is awake. I notice this about the old songs, Brother Reagan. Brother Reagan knows so many of these. But uh, so many of them, they, they shifted back and forth from one theme to the other. And if you attended church very long, you were getting a lot of the Word of God just in a worship service, a lot of it. So this great eye is watching you. Every step that you take, this great eye is awake. God does not sleep. No, never. And then, of course, there's an eye watching you, watching you, watching you. Every day, mind the course you pursue, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. Now, I happen to know the tune to this. I will not attempt to sing it because <clears throat> the only way I know how to sing it is the way my aunt sang it. And you'd probably laugh. <laughs> As you make last great fight, <clears throat> keep the pathway of right. There's an eye watching you. God will warn not to go in the path of the foe. There's an eye watching you. Now, God does not watch you just to intentionally trap you or catch you doing something wrong. That's not the reason why he sees the bad and the good. It's not because judgment day is coming and he has to have a legal reason or justifiable reason to pronounce judgment upon you in that day. That's not it at all. This is not why a parent will watch a child. But God watches you so that when you do something wrong, He can prompt you to correct that wrong. See? So He leads you. As much as God will lead you with His Spirit to perform good things, He will also lead you to avoid bad things. Some people, like a child struggling from his his mother's hand will pull loose and go ahead and do what he wants to do. This is what happens when people struggle against God. If you struggle hard enough and you really want to have your way, God will give every person enough lateral or enough elbow room to go to hell if that's what he wants to do. He will do that. But do keep in mind (coughs) that just because his sole purpose in watching over you is not to catch you doing something wrong, that if you do something wrong, he does not ignore it or overlook it. And that you will, one of these days, have to give an account to God for what you have done. Now, I think it's necessary that you understand this because... Some people feel that God just really got their number, and you know, I do something wrong. He's going he's gonna to zap me. He's going to get me real good. And that's, that's not why he's watching over you. I'm not going to say it. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say God won't do that. I'm not going to, because I'm not God. Like one man came to me, and he said, you know, he'd given his heart to the Lord, but he had already paid for a plane ticket, and everything, he was going to Las Vegas. He wanted to know if he went, if God would forgive him. He's already praying for repentance before he did the wrong. He said, do you think God will forgive me? I said, well, first place, I'm not God. You'll have to ask God if he will. But for a man... To be so bent on doing something wrong that he start repenting before he did it, because he wanted to do it so badly. <clears throat> I don't think I'd run that risk. <clears throat> now I'm not for sure now if he ever went to Las Vegas or not, <clears throat> but uh, I, I, I I can I cannot. I can't even relate to that type of thinking. Now, there have been times which God has dealt with my heart. I know years ago when I was a teenager and I had not given my heart to God, God had dealt with my heart, and I would ignore Him. Everybody finds a way of doing this, okay? You know how you ignore your parents? Some of you, some of you grandparents, do you remember how you ignored your parents? Now see, sometimes grandparents don't like to do this because they after you piled up many, many years behind, you get to thinking that you were an ideal child. <clears throat> you know, and that that you see you see the kids of today doing this, and you say, boy, what is wrong with kids today? And I carefully guarded a lot of secret things that I did from my kids because I just couldn't feature my boys doing what I did. You know, might as well be honest with it, you know. Just couldn't I couldn't feature my kids doing. And if my kids would have done some of the things that I did, I would have worried myself to death. <clears throat> I found out later that they did. <laughs> After they were married now the household, and they knew that Dad would kind of opened his hand and let them go, then they they'd slip around un or that unraveled some of these or revealed some of these things. <clears throat> some of our little family get-togethers, they start talking about things that they did. I bought some uh, two or three horses for the boys when they were young. They used to ride all the way over the East Town and tie their horse up to a bicycle rack and go inside and buy ice cream. Well, I knew they were buying ice cream, but I thought they were going over here on Milwaukee Street someplace. I didn't know they were going there. I think that's a violation of probably some some type of ordinance, but they'd ride them up there and tie them up. <clears throat> now, I have never been to Easttown and seen a horse tied up outside. And if I did, I'd probably say, who in the world tied their horse up to a bicycle rack? Well, my boys did that. <clears throat> Now, Dad cannot see them, and Mom cannot see them. I did feel that my mother, especially my mother, had eyes in the back of her head. And I thought that she did. Because I could do something wrong, and she'd ask me about that. I mean, specifically ask me. I, I just never could understand how that, that, that she knew. But she always knew. And a couple of times I did real bad things. My dad would cover up for me a little bit. He'd say, oh, Francis. You know, and he'd just forget about it. But she didn't forget about it. She wanted to get down to the bottom of the issue every time. <clears throat> now, it's good. Listen listen to me, parents. It's good to know that even though you don't have eyes in the back of your head, that God can quicken your mind to help you. I believe that God does reveal things to parents about their children, what they're doing. Sometimes you just it, it starts out, you just have this feeling that something's not right. Well, parents can pick up on the attitude of their children. You know. <clears throat> I can walk in in, in the church and. I've associated myself with some of these young people, and I can tell you who's in a good mood and who's in a bad mood, who's, who has a bad attitude. I walked in this morning, and right away I saw some little something. I thought, oh, what I need to do is smile real big and and cheer this person up and <clears throat> prompt this person along the the righteous road because they need it. Now, even though God may give you special insight, it is of great comfort to know that when you are asleep and you're not even giving any thought, that God is really watching over your family. That He's there. Sometimes we we give a lot of credit to angels. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. This is true, but even more comforting than, than that is that God is there, that God sees all. So God is all-knowing, and he sees everything. Uh, turn with me to the book of John, John 1, 48. <clears throat> this is just, uh, I, I think this is just a remarkable passage of Scripture. <clears throat> this talks about Nathaniel. In verse forty-seven, this is when Nathaniel received his call to follow the Lord. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, and saith to him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile." Now the word guile here means no deceit. This this man was just—he was kind of like an open book. Don't you like to see people like that? There's some people that are so secretive. And secretive people ruin their relationships with others. Do you know that? Because communication is the name of the game in life. If you want to have a lot of friends, and you want people to trust you, you have to be a communicator. If you hold secrets about every little thing, people get skeptical. All right, here's a man that he was just an open book. No deceit, very honest. Verse 48, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee. When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now, we really don't know what he was doing under the fig tree, but I'm just I'm just going to use my imagination. Let's say that this was the place where Nathanael went to pray. Now, I'm kind of making that assumption simply because of the context of what Nathaniel goes out in the morning, and he goes out to this particular little place that he he prayed. Perhaps he didn't want to uh, awaken his family or whatever, just get away and pray. So, he goes and prays. Now, the Bible talks about people who pray in their closet, so to speak. If you pray in secret, God will reward you openly. But if you pray in public only to be heard of men, what will God do? God has a way of humbling you. That's what the Scripture says. So here's a man, let's say, that's praying in secret. He goes out to this fig tree, he prays, he gets a hold of God. All of a sudden, he receives his call from Jesus And basically, Nathaniel was saying, How did you know who I was? How did you know that I was an Israelite? How did you know my name? Jesus said, Well, I met with you this morning in prayer. You were there. Now, have you ever felt like God didn't know your name? See, this is the reason why the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. If you're struggling, get your Bible down and search. Get your Bible down and read. You're going to find so much evidence stacked up in your favor, you're going to come out feeling so victorious. You will. Maybe this man had been down and out a little bit. I don't know. I don't know the situation. But there are times I know when I pray and I just, God, are you listening to me? Are you anywhere near me that I can reach out, touch you? And all the while, he's right there, right there with me. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. In other words, this seemed to be the start of every human being's relationship, and that is an awareness of the presence of God. See, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those or them that diligently seek him. And the start of your relationship with God is an awareness that God is there, I mean, right by your side all the time. Here's a man that was so honest. Now, it doesn't mean that he never did sin, but he had a way of of getting rid of his sin. we know that the Bible speaks of this, if you turn to Proverbs, the fifth chapter. Verse 21. The Bible tells us, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the lord and he pondereth all his goings his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of the sins of his sins <clears throat> he shall die without instruction and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray we we know that the bible teaches this but we also know in proverbs 28:13 And let's turn there, Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. So if God did not see the evil that you did, neither could he have the ability to forgive you of that evil. But because that he sees the evil along with the good, he has the ability to forgive you of that. You never pray to God about anything, whether it be something bad you've done or something good that you're questing for, that God is not there. He is there. And I think one of the greatest things that you can do to enhance faith in your life is come to the realization now, I said, come to the realization. It's not something that you just imagine. It's not a figment of the, uh, of the mind. You come to the realization that God actually sees you and He actually hears you. Now, you can't have faith without it. But if you can personalize God that every time you pray, maybe I'm speaking to someone who has been praying, been praying for some time but maybe you just this element is lacking in your christian experience please understand that over and over and over in the bible now i've marked several places in my bible with this with with these scriptures all the way from the book of genesis jeremiah through the prophets of old into the new testament this is declared you got to keep in mind that there are certain doctrines that are taught in the Bible and they're taught in certain books and that does not mean that they do not apply to, the, to, to mankind in general. But, but you have to understand that until this, pre- this is the only generation, I say the only generation, the, chur- the only dispensation, a period of time, in which man has had the entire works of God as far as the writings of the Bible are concerned. But I will say this, what I'm talking about today is a subject that in all dispensations, when men only had certain segments of the Bible, that this is a subject that they could clearly understand, that God is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He sees all. He's always there. You you look at a man like Job and all the trials that he had in which he could not physically feel the presence of God like we were talking about. What kept him going? What kept his integrity intact? The knowledge that he had that God was with him. Why? His friends came in and they sat by him. They sat there and wouldn't say a word. For a long period of time, they wouldn't say anything. You talk about really trying to comfort the man. I mean, they made it miserable for him. And then, of course, his precious wife, uh, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? What she said was, God has forsaken you. Job would not buy that argument. He would not believe that. He would not believe that. No, he said, that's, that's not true. Just curse God and now look what God's doing to you. He would not believe that. Now his friends came in and talked, him, and they couldn't convince him that he needed to do the same. And so as a result, one of his friends, when he left out of the room where he had spent a long period of time with Job, this is the statement he made. He said, Job is in league with the stones of the field. Basically what he's saying is Job is in tune with God even through nature. See, when Job walked down the paths of, of his property and he saw the stones, when he saw the stones, he saw God. It's not that God is a stone, but it reminded him of his creator. So every bird that flew over Job seemed to hear the voice of God. Every leaf that rustled in the trees, he saw God, he heard God. When the wind blew, it was like God talking to him. It was certainly secondary to other ways in which God had communicated with this man, but he saw God. God. He walked down by the Babylon Brook, and it was like God was calling his name. That's how personal God was to Job. So when the heavens were shut up, so to speak, and he went through this long, enduring trial that lasted for one year, he still knew that there was a God. And he still knew that this God was looking over him. wasn't missing a thing. He never thought a thought that God did not see. Never uttered a word that God did not hear. He just knew that his God was there. He knew that his God was there. Now what I want to do is first <clears throat> talk about this. I say first. We've, we've talked about the good things we have done. Let's talk about the sin that we commit. Now Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen tells us, and we have already read this, <clears throat> that if a man covers his sins that uh, he will not prosper i also know that the book of proverbs tells us that <clears throat> if we forsake the law of god that even when we cry unto him that he does not hear us that simply means a man who is is, is telling god I'm not, I'm not i don't care anything about the bible i don't care anything about living right and yet he's warning the advantages of god there is a point in which god i mean he hears you but he will not answer your prayer but if a person is making mistakes, they, they, they do not profess to be a Christian. They don't profess to live right, but they're making mistakes. And yet, in their heart, they're, they're really sorry about this. In other words, uh, I did something wrong. I don't have any power over myself. I, not knowing the power of the Holy Ghost and what God can do, they just continually fall into this. Yet they weep bitter tears over their their mistakes. We know that God will hear them. Uh, God will hear that man if that man will call unto the Lord. But if he starts hiding his sin, and this is a tendency that people have, and that is to hide things so that that not only no one will see, but even God won't know. And there are a lot of a lot of attitudes that we develop like this. Exodus the second chapter verse twelve. <clears throat> I think this is a this is a typical uh, response of people who who are wanting to to do something <laughs> uh, what I'll do I'll just because of time I'll just tell the story and you can turn there you can see this Moses was working one day in the field now Moses had already received a call from God he knew that he was not just a normal Jewish man raised in Pharaoh's palace he knew that. He knew that God wanted him to lead the children of Israel out of this bondage this slavery that they had been in for almost 400 years. He knew this. And what happened was he saw one day an Egyptian beating, whipping an Israeli man, a worker. And in his own heart, he had such hatred for slavery. And I think you can understand that. I mean, I think this is the, the, the cruelest thing that, that's ever happened to, to man on the planet Earth, and that is outside of war, and that is uh, putting people into bondage and making human beings slaves to yourself. It, it's the height of selfishness. And at any rate, he saw this, and he said, I know what I'll do. I'll kill this man but the Bible says before he did he looked this way and looked that way in other words he wanted to make sure that no man saw him and, and isn't it amazing sometimes before we commit our sin how we stack things up to protect ourselves even sometimes when we go ahead and sin you know it's like the, a person falling on the ice First thing you do when you fall on the ice, you don't think about how badly you're hurt. You want to know who saw you. <clears throat> I remember uh, David Fuller, a good friend of mine. Most of you know Brother Fuller. He's in Waco, Texas. He was up in Minneapolis where the Brother and Sister Eaton attend now. But uh, he and I went up to Antigo and we were going to start a church in Antigo years ago. This is about 1967. So we went up there, and we were going to preach revival. We were preaching revival. We found out there was a church for sale. So we could not, because uh, of the snow banks. It was in January. I I just, you know, probably if I'd been using my brains, I never would have moved to Wisconsin. Because when I I got up there, the snow was stacked up like this, and one night it was thirty-five below zero. Now here I'm a Texan. I don't even own a decent coat. And I'm up there, you know. <laughs> but it was fascinating to me. See, boy, as cold as it was, well, we we could not park near this church that they had for sale because of all the snow. So we parked like two blocks away, and we more drove up and parked. Here comes this man down the sidewalk. Now he had a great big old coat on, and he was a large man, much uh, larger than myself. Uh, I mean, he was just really large. And all of a sudden, he just, I don't know what happened, but his feet went like this, and down he went. Now, I don't know what it is about falling on the ice. It's funny. It's not funny when you fall on the ice. I'm still having problems with my neck and shoulder from falling on the ice out here. But I fell out there, and, and Brother Thomas was with me. And Brother Thomas was so kind or I think he was near when I fell, and he prayed for me. Well, I don't know. David Fuller and I, we just grew up together, and we just been like kids when we get together, you know, and and we started laughing. I could not help it. But the first thing this gentleman did was he turned and looked at us. Oh, my. And you could tell he was so embarrassed, and he tried to get up, and he slipped again, and oh. At any rate, to make a long story short, when we were, went around the corner and knocked on the church to look at it. <laughs> it was the pastor of the church. It fell on the ice. <clears throat> I felt so bad about this. Really. I, I just, I just, oh. I, I apologize to him and everything. And I remember Brother Fuller says, you know, I wonder... I wonder how God looks on this. I said, I don't know, but I felt so terrible about that. Would you believe that the very next day, uh, Sister Fuller was wanting a knitting bag? And, uh, of course, down in Texas, you know, we just call it a knitting bag, you know. And I remember we went around looking for a knitting bag. Well, nobody understood what we were talking about, I'm sure, because nobody had one. And finally, one lady, we were in a store, and she said, Sir, would you please just explain to me what you're looking for? Brother Fuller says, a knitting bag. I still remember this lady. It's like a light came on her head. She popped in. She said, oh, a knitting bag. (laughs) We got this knitting bag. (laughs) We went out on the streets. We were talking about it. And Brother Fuller says, John, he said, people won't understand us up here. They think we're crazy. He said, (laughs) he said. This poor lady was so nice to us. We should have been calling a knitting bag, but we were just calling a knitting bag. Okay, she didn't know what we we're talking about. <clears throat> so, would you believe that we we went down the street, and all of a sudden, the the street was all blocked off. A, a building had caught on fire, and they were spraying water every place. And it was freezing because it was so cold. And there must have been about. Six inches of water on the street. And so they told us, "No, you're not supposed to go across here. And Well, here's my car over here. And I was freezing to death anyway. And, and I thought, I've just got to go over to the car. I'm just about to die. So Brother Fuller says, Well, I'm not going to go across there. And, and, and I thought, Well, I will. And so would you believe that I started across there. And someone blew the whistle and said, Don't do that. And I looked around real fast, and I fell right down in the water. The water was like six, in- six inches deep. Here's the the television camera on me, and someone from the local newspaper, and whatever. first thing I did was looked around to see who was looking, and here's this TV camera down on me. Oh, dear, I thought. You're talking about embarrassing. And I jumped up, and immediately I turned to a sheet of ice, and here I was. I mean, ice all over my hair, my hands, all over I don't know if it came out in the paper. I wouldn't buy a paper to find out. I just—it's one of those situations where you—you know—you want to get out of town. I mean, you—you're—you—you you, you just feel so terrible. You see, when Moses rose up and slew this man, the first thing he did—he looked this way and this way. He saw no man. He went ahead and did this. But the problem was. That when he let his brethren know what had happened, they turned against him. They thought, man, it isn't right to kill. Is it right to kill? Now remember, they did not have the, the Ten Commandments at that time. But they knew that wasn't right. So Moses suffered rejection. He had to leave and go into the wilderness. Now I've said all that to say this. Sometimes we think, well, we're going we're gonna <clears> to <throat> cover up everything bible tells us in luke 12 3 that what you do in secret god will reveal it from the housetops that god just has a way of just revealing i don't know if this overweight kind preacher was watching me when i slipped on the ice but i'll assure you this one thing if he'd have been watching me i mean there was no comparison and i just i mean i had a heyday when he slipped i i mean the Bible tells us not to glory in the calamities of others. You know? <clears throat> God just has a way of just, through circumstances, just bringing things out. You can do something you think, oh, nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. God has a way, though, of bringing it out. He really does. I think uh, <clears throat> it's the fifth chapter. Here's Ananias. His wife, Sapphira. Uh, again, I'll, I'll not read, but uh, the common thing was that they were all selling their land, possessions. They were giving it to the church. Now, it's, it's very plain in the Scripture. This was purely voluntary on their part. They did not have to do this, but they were doing it. Well, everybody did it except... One couple. Ananias and his wife Sapphira. But what they did was, they said, what we want to do is keep a portion of the money, but we want everyone to think that we're doing as much as they are. So when we take our money in, what we'll do, we'll just... Lead everyone to believe. Now, I don't know why, but outside of divine help, it is amazing what questions can be asked when you're trying to cover things up. Have you ever tried to cover something up and maybe your boss would just ask you one little question? And it seems like such a loaded question because it's like he knows what you did. I explain it like this. That is conclusive evidence that God does not want you to cover your sin. He wants you to be open and honest. It's like my mom always knew just what to say question to ask see so they brought this this money and first the gentleman came <clears throat> laid the money down said so here's the money from the farm great and a an nice i think this is great my ah, you had a lovely place out there and for you to give this up for god yep Would you believe that, Peter? I'm telling you, he just looked at this man and said, you're giving it all. Why did you have to ask that? Ananias, because he'd already talked with his wife, yep, every bit of it. Felt good because He wanted the people to believe that he was giving as much as everybody else, and that's his all. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost quickened Peter, and Peter says, Ananias, you're lying about this. You have not lied to me, but to God. You know what happened when Peter was explaining this? The man fell down. And died. Now, I don't know if you could visualize something like that happening today. You're talking about lawsuits. You're talking about media. What do you think would happen if if, if someone actually died? Especially when they took, took him out and buried him. <laughs> they wrapped him up and buried him. I, I <clears throat> it's just the way they did things back then. Well, <clears throat> all of a sudden... Three hours later, his wife, not knowing, she walks in. And uh, she's going to make a full report of this. Has my husband been in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's come and gone already. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> so you gave all your money. Yep, every bit of it. I am just so glad that God has mercy upon people. You know, I'm sure that similar things happened to all of us and we did not fall down dead. We deserve to die. The soul that sinned shall surely die. See, I don't really know the attitude, but I know this when people plot things and do things, especially when it is a joint effort with someone else, you're going to find that they get into trouble with God in a hurry. A conspiracy it can't be a conspiracy unless there's more than one person involved. And this is what they did. They, they made this up. And of course she fell down and she died also. Not too long ago I was looking out the window on the farm. I saw this hawk flying in the air. It was almost like someone had shot him. His wings folded close to his body. He plummeted straight down. Man, oh man, oh man, what happened to him? I didn't know that Hawks died of a heart attack right in the middle of the flight. But down he went. He was just falling, just... Before he hit the ground, however, his wings came out. His legs folded, unfolded. Those huge talons or claws reached out. And he grabbed a gopher. Isn't it amazing? That all the while he's flying, he looks so full of leisure, his eyes are searching. Now, <clears throat> God has seen every good thing you've done today, and he will never forget it. He's seen every bad thing you've done. Now, he sees the bad, not because he wants to stand as a righteous judge to condemn you for it's not his will that any should perish. God sees your bad so he can deal with you so that you can make it right. And church services like this are designed to confront people with the issue of salvation so that man is given a great opportunity to turn his heart over to God. I want you to stand with me at this time. <clears throat> Job the thirty fourth chapter, verse twenty-one, Jeremiah sixteen, seventeen, Hebrews four, thirteen, plus all the scriptures that I've read, they all tell me that God sees Everything you do, good and the bad. The good and the bad. God wants you to deal with that bad in your heart. He wants to, see, God is a reasonable God. This is what the Lord says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is saying, bring it up. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do about it. On the other hand, maybe we have some Christian brother or sister that's lived a good, faithful life, and you're going through some trial, and you feel that. I've been praying, and I don't know that God has heard me. I'll assure you, He knows your name, your address, your zip code, your telephone number. He knows it all. Your driver's license number, your bank account number. He knows it all. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. If he did, he would be less than God because he would not be omnipresent. If he didn't understand He'd be less than God because he could not be omniscient. But he is God. And he always will be God. We give you the opportunity to come. Turn your heart over to the Lord. As our praise singers begin to sing. Do we have some person. Maybe someone going through a deep trial. That would step out and come and say. I'm doing this just to acknowledge and increase my faith. That God is watching over me. Come on right now. May we have someone that's never turned their heart over to the Lord. Why don't you step out and come on right now. This is a very, very simple message. But it contains a great truth. Come on right now. Don't wait. Don't tarry. Oh praise God. Some of you brothers come and pray with Brother Tony Irby. Come on right now. Here I am. Oh my. So many people are coming. Come on. You can also come and pray with someone if you feel
1: that you need to do this.
0: Here I am. Oh here I am, I am Lord. Lord. Oh praise God! Come on, here come on and give your heart I to am. God. Come on and seek the Lord. Turn your life over to Him. He knows, He cares, I He understands, give He sees all. All myself to the Lord. Here. Oh yes. Pray.